This morning we have with us Dave and Ashley Ellingson. You guys come on up. We should welcome them. And we can be seated. You guys may, in the back, may not be able to see them, but uh, again, that's part of what we're talking about. Um, and uh, they're, they're home uh, for the last it's a couple, a couple months, and, uh, and we're in Albertville, France, uh, not because they're going to be missionaries in France, but because they're going to be missionaries to Madagascar, to the island nation of Madagascar, on the southern coast of Africa. And the reason why you go to France to prepare for Madagascar is because there is an indigenous language there spoken called Malagasy, but there's also French spoken uh, as sort of like a, what kind of, I mean, is it the lingua, it's not the lingua franca? Yeah, French, there's two official languages. French is the business language, the education language, so a lot of uh, kids in school will all learn French, and so everybody in the cities will speak French. Everybody in the whole country will speak Malagasy, but in, in the schools and in the government, they'll all speak in French. So for us to live there and, and, and work there and do ministry there, the people will uh, we'll be able to build relationships and get our needs met by speaking French. And uh, we'll talk ultimately in the future, we're planning to set up a seminary in Madagascar, and we'll need to use French for theological resources. So it'll be a great long-term thing as well, not just uh, uh, when we first move there. So. And really, even before I wanted to jump off, I'm, you know, w- why do you do that? Why do you go and to one country away from home, difficult, <laughs> wind up in a pandemic, everything shuts down, learn French, and then come back, get yourself together, and then move to literally the other side of the world. Why do you do that? And I, and I was asking myself that question, why, why in the world do these guys do this? I remember, I remember a sermon that Dave preached in Grace Life years back already. can't believe it's been years. Has it been that long? Has it been one year, two, 18 months? Yeah. Something like that. Sermon, yeah. Revelation. Revelation. Revelation chapter 5. Yeah. And, and in Revelation 5, you know, there's the picture of, of, of heaven. There's the scene of heaven. And all these people are coming before the, the throne of Christ. And it says, uh, they sang a new song in Revelation 5, 9, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. The reason that that missionaries go anywhere. The reason that the Ellingsons do what they do is because Jesus Christ is worthy to receive the worship of the peoples whom he has purchased by his blood. And, uh, and so that's, that's why, that's why we do it. That's why you do it. And I almost want to invite you to re-preach that sermon, but it's, it's already recorded so you can listen to it. (laughs) Um, that's why we're doing this. So, so, so just talk to us a little bit about how you, uh, f- first knew that you guys wanted to start pursuing missions? Well, when we came out to seminary, we kind of, we loved uh, the idea of the Master's Academy International. And if you're not uh, familiar with them, the Master's Academy International pastoral training centers all around the, the world. And probably, I think there's 17 different training centers right now. And there's a whole bunch more that are, are wanting to apply to become a training center. And these pastoral training centers are, are to train indigenous men in pastoral ministry, at like a seminary, and to, to raise up uh, faithful men in, all around the country. So you have strong local churches. And so the, the missionary's job there would be to, to, to train up these men, and ultimately you want the indigenous uh, men to become the leaders of the training centers. 
Uh, like in certain cases, like in, uh, in Russia or in India, we've had uh, missionaries that were kicked out of the country by the government. But when the, if the leadership in those countries has already been set up, long after the missionaries are gone, the work still continues because the, it's been passed on to faithful men who can train faithful men after them. And so we loved that idea when we came to seminary, but we never thought we would be uh, a part of that. We, we pictured ourselves maybe going back to our hometown of Tucson, Arizona, and serving alongside our, our pastor there. But it was our first semester of seminary when there was the impact of a question that really hit my heart. We had October was missions month in, in our seminary chapels, and we had a missionary come from Cambodia, uh, Nathan Wells, and, and he was challenging the men in, in that seminary listening, in that chapel service. He wanted the men to say, why is America your default place of service when you're done with seminary? And he said, think about the needs all around the world. They're so much greater than in America. In America, if someone wants to get biblical teaching, they can get it. They can, it's on the internet. It's on the radio. They can find biblical churches. They can go to a biblical seminary. In, in almost most places around the world, that's not an option. And he said, so when the needs are so much greater elsewhere, why don't you, why do you automatically consider the U.S. as your default place of ministry? And so that really just challenged me to examine my own heart. Am I willing to go anywhere for the Lord? And so we just uh, wanted to be open to the Lord's leading and where he might take us after seminary. And so we began trying to learn more about missions, trying to learn more about our missionaries from the, in the church. And when they came in town to, to meet with them for lunch or dinner and, and just to get to know them. And the Lord just began to grow in our hearts a love uh, for missions and, and the, seeing the need for it. Any other thoughts? No. Yeah. Well, <coughs> so Ashley, then as a mom, when Dave comes home and, and says, okay, how about Madagascar? <laughs> how, do you, how do you react to that? And how did you get from point A to point B? Um, well, as David said, we were praying about missions for about uh, three years, probably, by the time he met Folly uh, Ravwangi at an ECHO meeting, and um, he didn't even wait to get home, actually. That would have been nice, but... Um, <laughs> Texted you? I got a text message. I know where we're going. <laughs> that said, we're moving to Madagascar. <laughs> so... Um, I immediately went to the computer to Google Madagascar because I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't really know anything about Madagascar. So, um, yeah, that's kind of literally how it happened. But, um, you know, I, I would say I was already um, open to missions, and we'd been praying about it and talking about it um, for several years, um, but uh, really didn't know exactly where the Lord would take us and um, what we would be doing, where we would be, who we'd be doing it with. So, um, yeah, but I was uh, ready to, to pray and seek the Lord for wherever he would take us. So. And were there, were there clear indications for, for both of you as to this is where we need to go? Like, how, did those, how did those come up yeah. and say, yeah, yeah we, really do. Yeah. we really do need to, to like <laughs> learn two languages and move <laughs> to the tip of the world? <laughs> um, well, for us, um, our focus was really not on a place, but on the type of ministry we would be involved with and who we would be doing it with. Those were the two important uh, factors for us. So we were looking for a good fit 
um, ministry-wise, and um, as David shared, we both had a heart already for the work of training indigenous pastors um, in another country and the, T the work of TMAI centers. Um, so that's what we were looking for was a ministry that we thought we would want to do and be a part of and fit well and also um, good partners that we thought we could work well with and that we were on the same page theologically and got along well with as families. And so when we met Folly and Lily Repwangi from Madagascar, they were here um, for seminary, we started spending time together and getting to know them. And Lily and I, his wife, got to know each other. We were in biblical counseling together, um, the classes here at the church. And our families started spending time together they have three daughters the same ages as our three oldest daughters. And so the two key things that we were looking for, the type of ministry and partners, um, pretty quickly seemed to fit in this um, situation. And like I said, the place, we weren't really looking for a specific country or a specific place to serve. Mm. Um, we were looking for those factors. And this quickly became exciting to us and something that we wanted to keep pursuing. Good. And so how, Dave, how did you get your, your kids from point A to point B? Well, I mean, you know, uh, you're where the food is, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our, our kids, our, our kids follow our, our, our lead, you know, and if we're excited about something, they don't e even if they don't know it or understand it, they, they are excited about it. And we wanted them to see the, the worth of Christ to do anything. And, and so, you know, we, we wanted to also communicate that there would be hardship of living in a foreign country and especially in a third world country. And, uh, but we wanted to say about the joy uh, of serving the Lord and the, the need there that's there and the hunger that the people had for the word of God. And so they, you know, they, they largely followed our lead. And, and if you know much about Madagascar, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that they have lemurs, which are really cute. <laughs> so our, our girls, you know, saw a few documentaries on lemurs, and, you know, it, that helps sell the deal, right? So. Uh. Nice. And so talk, talk to us about France. So you, you went to, to France for this language training school so that you can sort of have this business language, and you're looking forward to theological resources in French and the seminary. Uh, all that coming. So, so how is how was it this last year? I, I mean, it w not only was it different living in in a different country, but now then you also have the uh, the pandemic restrictions and all these things. H how did it go? Yeah, we arrived in uh, Albertville, France. Uh, must have been August of 2019. So we had one year of uh, formal language training there, and it broken up into three semesters. So we had two semesters before the pandemic. And then our last semester, we were, you know, under France was under a strong lockdown, and so we were doing classes remotely. So it was a lot more challenging to learn a second language that way. But, but God had given us a solid foundation those first two semesters, at least, to to continue. It had been really hard if that was our first semester. Mm -hmm. So God was gracious in that. But moving to a, another country, we didn't know hardly any French before we went. We were just trying to work on it on our own at home. So we knew very little French, and you know, you you our kids were homeschooled, and we plop them into a French elementary school, public elementary school. And, you know, luckily they didn't know much of the language, right? So they don't understand, what, you know, anything they're teaching. But, <laughs> but God, you know, the church was praying for our kids in this transition. And, and they, they got wonderful teachers that, that just took care of them and helped them along. You know, the French teachers are known to be sharp and they yell at the kids. 
and they have a high standard, uh, you know, and they want to give everyone low grades, you know, it's to, to shame the kids is kind of the method. And, but our kids just loved it, you know, they, they, <laughs> they weren't the ones getting shamed, luckily, but, you yeah. know, they, 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 were, they were sweet, and so the teachers were just, just a blessing to them. And so they really enjoyed uh, France, and they liked their school, and they made friends, and they, if you ask them, we have four girls, uh, j'ai quatre enfants, and uh, <laughs> if you were to ask them, what did you like about France, they would say they loved speaking French, and they loved their friends at school. So, you know, they, it, it was a blessing for them. But when we first got there, we had to, you know, get set up with uh, car insurance. We had to purchase a car. We had to get set up with our phones and Internet. We had to figure out how to get groceries for our family. We, didn't, we don't know what, what the food is there, if they even have what we're looking for in our recipes. So, you know, you just imagine everything's different. We had to get our kids registered for school in French. And so uh, it's always overwhelming in the beginning when you don't have relationships and you don't have uh, capacity in the language yet. So you want to say anything about those first six weeks there? <laughs> um, well, the first three weeks um, were really fun as a family um, before school started, just exploring and kind of enjoying um, all the new uh, just beauty of France and um, so there was kind of a, a honeymoon phase and then the first three weeks of school were really tough and um, Clara was crying every day when we dropped her off so um, she was only four and so that was really tough for her so me as a mom it was that aspect was um, very hard for me emotionally and then just diving into French full-time is just uh, very exhausting mentally and emotionally even and then trying to live daily life as well as David mentioned every little thing in life suddenly is hard um, because you don't know how to communicate or you don't know how to say what you need to say or you're not sure how it works there so a lot of challenges but that was one of the reasons we wanted to go there was to experience those challenges and to live you know kind of get our our feet wet in being foreigners and living in a new country and learning how to figure those things out and survive and learn a language. And so I think France was a really good stepping stone for us before we go to Madagascar, um, just learning how to work through a lot of those challenges as a family and um, know kind of what that experience is already. Mm, yeah. You just remember the <clears throat> even in the in the book of the law where Israel is commanded, right? You, you shall not hate your, you know, the foreigner among you, because you yourselves were yeah. slaves in Egypt, and, yeah. and you know, you know what it was like to be that. And God works compassion in you, you know, even by like, oh man, I'm not the majority culture, I'm not the majority language. Like now, I'm depending a lot on the <coughs> kindness and patience of others. What's that like, you know, where where we're from, mm -hmm. Mike? That we thought a lot about the international TMS students that come here. And we, we kind of felt what it was like to be somewhere where you're trying to communicate, you want to build relationships, and, and you're just an infantile level of the language. And it just reminded me, we need to love the international students, especially those that don't speak English, just to keep trying with them and, and let them make mistakes and just love on them because it, it's just a challenge when you want to build relationships and you're, you, know, you don't know if people are going to accept you when you're, you're butchering their language. and. <laughs> And so uh, it just reminded me of our, our TMS students that come from overseas. And I, and I think that maybe a lesson even to pull from, from what you've just said is, 
like you know what I mean, your car registration and starting school and just like yeah. you know all that stuff like you were saying when you think okay i'm gonna go be a missionary like you think like yeah. superman cape you know what i mean like bible dun, da, 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 here i am you know what i mean and i never thought that but yeah, yeah. People think people think that that yeah the missionary work is this like you know it's going to be hard it's going to be rigorous but it's going to be teaching and preaching in another language yes. it's going to be discipling it's going to be shepherding but then it's also just setting life up yes. and and being different and difficult and I and I think you know that's also part of counting the cost that's also part of seeing Christ as more worthy in those moments like okay the reason that I have these practical difficulties are you know is the reason is because i've chosen i've decided that christ is worthy of these people's worship and this is why i'm here and i think that's a lesson for all of us because you know we have things we do day to day right and we live lives to the lord no matter what we do that's our at least at least that's our our commission right if we if we live to the, if we live we live for the lord if we die we die to the lord whether we live or die we're the lord's romans 14 so what is it that we're doing? What are the what are the difficulties that our own circumstances are are providing for us? F- like practical difficulties, simply because we're choosing to do the difficult thing of following Christ, of obeying where it's easier to disobey, right? And we could we could take that same that same attitude, like okay, this is difficult because I've chosen to follow Christ in this way, and therefore. Uh, the, the difficulties become easier when you see them in that in that grand plan of Philippians three eight that I count all things as refuse in, in comparison to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, I, you know, you think about Mike was right when we're going overseas. You know, you, you think about the 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 kind of ministry you're going to be doing. That's what it's in your mind, and that's what you're excited about. But there's millions of logistics to get from one country to another with visas and, and forms and all kinds of things, and you get set up and just practical things. And I just felt like we've never had a, a home. Our, we're always transitioning. And our kids say, we, wanna, we don't have a home. You know, They were at a, we had a community pool once we'd been back in, in um, and we're in Tucson, Arizona, back uh, this summer. And someone, someone asked our kids, oh, so where do you guys live? Do you guys live in Tucson? And they're like, we don't have a home. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, you're, you know, you're, are you guys moving? You just moved here? And they're like, no, we don't have a home. We don't know where we're going to be next. <laughs> North Hills, Albertville, France, yeah. uh, Madagascar, Los Angeles, Tucson. We're all over the place. That's great. So what were, what were some of the, the fun and positive things about France? Just some of the enjoyable moments and lessons and things like that. Well, first, yeah, someone said mention the food, right? If you've, uh, I don't know if you, if anyone's been to France, but it's just a, a blessing to have good food. For one, uh, we had our apartment was right next to a boulangerie, which is a bakery. So, you know, every afternoon after we pick up the kids from school, we'd stop by and get a fresh loaf, a fresh baguette, and uh, you know, you don't even need butter, which is good, you know, or the pastries, but. Beyond the food, you know, uh, it was great food, but we, we really enjoyed God's creation. Albertville is a small town, about 18,000 people, and everything's within five or ten minute drive. And it's in a valley, and it's surrounded by the French Alps. So, and most of the year, the French Alps were snow-capped. They were just beautiful, but we weren't in snow except for maybe three days of the year. So it got, you know, we had all four seasons in, in the valley, but it was just a beautiful 
our kids could go on hikes, you know, and see waterfalls and rivers and lakes, and then you're surrounded by the Alps right there. So uh, we just were never, we were just left breath, breathless by God's stunning creation all around us. So that was just amazing. I think it was just fun um, experiencing a new country for the first time, and it was a beautiful country, as David said, and um, a lot of, we always call them adventures with the girls, um, just to explore, take hikes together, do have new experiences, see new places, and we always tried to make it a fun, you know, time as a family as much as we could, and this is an adventure, and <laughs> even if things don't go the way we planned, um, so that was fun to do that as a family and just get to see so many things that we wouldn't have normally seen together, so we enjoyed that a lot. How about some of the challenges? aside from what we've spoken about already and maybe lessons learned, what, what, did, what did Christ teach you when you were there? I would just say, you know, it's the same lesson that God's been teaching me and maybe for you, but for many years, he's been showing me over and over again his faithfulness. That you can trust him in, in the different, you know, you don't know what the future is going to be. You don't know what the next step is going to be. You just have enough light for that next step, right? And, uh, but you see God's faithfulness again and again, and uh, your faith grows stronger when the challenges get harder, and yet you see God's tender care and provision for you over and over again. And so there'd be times we don't know how this is going to happen, how, how we're going to get do this next step, and God would provide. And so that's just one of the things he, he showed me over and over again is, you know, He's providing for us. He's taking care of our needs, and not only our needs, but just, you know, when, when we don't know how things are going to work out, he comes through. And so our, our faith has been strengthened every time, every year we have more challenges, and, and God shows himself to be bigger. We see a, a better vision of Christ and, and of our Lord, so that's been a joy to me. Well, one of the th first things I thought of is um, dependence on God because I felt like everything that I normally depended on or um, just was used to having in my life was taken away. And so um, I just had to learn to depend on God even for really simple, basic things in life that I didn't have to before and um, things that were easy or almost didn't even have to think about doing here. Suddenly I had to um, really depend on the Lord to be able to accomplish and so that was really good for me spiritually just to learn um, a deeper dependence on God and um, just a, a refining time in my faith as well and learning to trust God in a new context um, like David mentioned we had so many mountains around us and just looking up at those mountains um, every day and remembering that where does my help come from my help comes from the Lord mm. you know and so Always, every time I saw those mountains, I thought of Psalm 121 and just remembered that my help comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from myself, and it doesn't even come from earthly things, ultimately. And when you don't have all of the things that you're used to having in life suddenly, and one of the biggest things I would say is just the Christian fellowship that we were used to here, mm -hmm. and the teaching, all the spiritual encouragement that we had all the time here um, was suddenly gone. And um, when we went to church, we didn't understand what we were singing, and we didn't understand the sermon, and then we couldn't really talk to people very well. So um, it sort of made us realize how much we need to be connected to Christ individually. You can't just depend on everybody around you holding you up all the time. Your relationship with the Lord has to be 
real and vibrant and sometimes God has you in a place where that means that that is your your time in the word and prayer and you may not even be able to understand the sermon on Sunday so um, that was a, a challenge but also really spurred us on in our own devotion times and also um, leading our children spiritually when you can't depend on a Sunday school class or anybody else to really be pouring into your kids. It's, it was really up to us at that point to be um, just encouraging them, building them up spiritually, teaching them the word. Um, another thing was just battling discouragement on a daily basis and learning how to fight discouragement um, pretty much every day. Um, and so what I really learned through that was how gratitude really is the um, the weapon to fight discouragement. And so learning to just worship and praise the Lord and thank the Lord and, and fight for a heart of gratitude in the midst of discouragement and seeing that he can give us the grace to be content in every circumstance and his, his strength is, is really w what we need to be content, right? In any and in all circumstances. And just that we need a diligence. There's really no shortcut to learning language and culture, and you can't just figure out some way to get it done. It's really just persevering and pushing through and just continuing on and having diligence. So I was just really thankful for all the ways as well that God provided and just continue to care for our family and answer so many prayers and um, just knowing that so many people were here um, holding the rope and praying for us was really a daily encouragement as well. Mm. i just add that I, I often felt like Moses be in the sense that he told the Lord, I'm not a man of eloquence, you know, I'm slow of speech, and, and here we're going to have to go and learn two languages and then teach other men, other pastors about ministry and about biblical fidelity and what a biblical church looks like and, and expository preaching. And I'm like, Lord, I'm not a man of eloquence. And in Exodus 4.11, what does the Lord tell him? He says, I'm the, I'm the one who made man deaf or mute or dumb. And, you know, it's got my purpose to use weak vessels like you. And that's, that's what I, I'm often encouraged by is because I don't know, I don't feel capable of myself. People would say before we left for the field, are you really good at languages? Are you just going to ace it, right? You know, and you have to learn two languages. I say, I don't know. I haven't had to do this before. And, and you just don't feel capable, but the Lord will use weak vessels so he is glorified. If anything good happens, right, it, he gets the glory and not the glory to us. Mm. And so we just praise, praise the Lord for his own purposes and, and choosing weak vessels for his own glory. So. Yeah, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Yeah so that the surpassing greatness of the power might be shown to be of God and not from ourselves. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And that's, I've called that the, uh, the fundamental orienting principle of ministry. Um, that that the, the glory of the new covenant message is an inverse relationship with the glory of the new covenant messenger. And the reason for that is so that there's no uh, as to as to who uh, the praise is due to. And, and the, the more earthy we are, uh, the more the treasure shines uh, bright. And I bet as I'm listening to you, you know, you, you guys have had to battle discouragement and discontent before this past year, right? Yep. Not, there's not, you've never, it's not like you've never struggled with those things before. But I wonder, you know, has, has the way that you've observed Christ's faithfulness and 
the Spirit's consolation in this this trial has that has that been more significant than at other times? Have you have you noticed that? I would say it seems like God has continually given us greater levels of of uh, trials where we need to depend on Him more, where things seem more impossible each step. And so, you know, I'd say it's more of the same, really, but it's at a greater degree. Yeah. You know, and I feel like God's given us things in the past to prepare us for what's now happening. You know, the, the current trials that we're in and the current trials that we're in will prepare us for harder things in the future. But it, when we look back, we see God's faithfulness. And and uh, and so that's what strengthens uh, me, gives me you know, steel in my spine to, to pursue ministry, even though it's hard, even though you labor and strive, you're, you're wanting to see Christ's church perfected, you know, to maturity in Christ, uh, you know, as Colossians one twenty eight and 29 says, you know, this is how we labor and strive, but it's by God's power that is enabling us to do that. And so uh, I would just say it's the same thing, but to a greater degree. Yeah, I mean, second, so 2 Corinthians 1, 5, for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our, is our comfort abundant through Christ. There seems to be a proportional relationship between the difficulty of the task that we undertake for, for the glory of Christ and the sweetness of the consolation that we get in, in his in meeting us there. And I think that's another lesson that, I, that we can all take from that is that, yeah, we all battle discouragement and discontentment in, in, the, in the context in which we, we live here in the country whose language we speak, whose culture we know, um, you know, where, where rituals and, and schemas are all familiar, you know, but uh, I think the almost, almost the dangling carrot, almost the incentive for, you know, uh, undertaking these great difficult things for Christ is the sweet comfort that comes as a result of that, you know, um, no suffering, no comfort, little suffering, little comfort, big suffering, big comfort. And so you can use the prospect and the joy of an intimate relationship with Christ that you wouldn't know or have otherwise uh, to, to motivate you to do the difficult thing, to lay down, you know, that comfort, to lay down that, fle- that fleshly comfort and, and say, I'm going to sacrifice that uh, for the sake of making Christ's name known, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in France, or whether it's n- down the street, yeah. you know, whether it's just living Christianly at my workplace, you know, whether it's being a man or woman of integrity, wherever it is uh, that you go, speaking the gospel openly to those that God has put in your way. Like, yes, this will have consequences and it'll feel uncomfortable. And there may be consequences that come that are severe, but Christ will, will come in consolation in that moment. And I think that's, that's uh, something that, that the lives of missionaries uh, really bear out and testify to us. As my, reminded me of Peter saying to Christ, this is, uh, I believe, Matthew nineteen twenty seven and following. He's, he says, Lord, we've left everything we've to, to follow you. What, what's going to be for us? You know, we've left our families. And, and, and Christ responds, he says, everyone who's left houses and, and brothers and mothers and children uh, and, and, and homes for my sake will receive more in this life and um, in the life to come, eternal life. And, and, and God is, you know, as we think about moving away from our family, Madagascar is 11,000 miles away. And from L.A., it's Antananarivo, the capital of Madagascar, is the furthest possible large city, over 50,000 people that, uh, from, from L.A. So it's the largest city, the furthest one away. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, 
it's, it's weird to move that far away when we have great families. We, our families are all in Tucson, Arizona, um, and, and m most of them are all believers, and we have sweet fellowship with them. And, and so it's, you know, we feel like, how can we move so far away where we, it's so hard to see them? But Christ is worthy of, of that. And as you are a, a, become a believer, and maybe now there's conflict with your family who is not believers, you guys have en endured the same things as, as you, you get rejected by family members because you're a believer. It's the same mentality that Christ has r sweet rewards for you as you are faithfully following him no matter what the cost and no matter where he calls you. So mm -hmm. just an en encouragement from God's word uh, there. Yeah. It's, why do we go? Because Christ is worthy. But why do we go? Because Christ has gone and is out there on that path, right? Yeah. Hebrews 13 says, right, he, he suffered outside the camp, outside of the place of the gate of, of the city of Israel, outside of where uh, there, you know, there, it was comfortable and, and, and uh, normal. He suffered outside the gate. And, and then it says, let us go out to him, therefore, because we have here we have no lasting city so it's not just uh well jesus is worthy of it so i'm just going to go like <clears throat> right but it's jesus is worthy of it and jesus is out there in ways that i won't see him here you know jesus is there on that path of faithfulness where i won't see him on this path of disobedience or complacency or sloth and I think that that's another a lesson that, that uh, even though we're not going to go to the mission field, many of us, though some of us should, some of you will, that's a lesson that, uh, that we, we take from that. What would you say to the group just about, you know, people, it's been said famously, right, that uh, you're either, when it comes to missions, you're either a goer, a sender, or disobedient. Right, that you're gonna not not all of us will go, but some of us will go. N not all those of us who don't go need to have a responsibility to send those who do go. Yeah. What would you just? I mean, you guys are mem longtime members of Grace Life. Your heart is with these people. What would you speak to them after a year into your mission? Uh, Mike, I think from my own study of, of of the Great Commission, we're all called to go and make disciples. That's not just for professional missionaries, right? That's something we're all called to do. And, uh, and that might be different in each one of our cases and how the stewardship God's given you, okay? Uh, and so you may not be able physically or in your family situation to be able to move overseas, but you're, you're called to share the gospel, to make disciples, to teach them the word of God with those around you in your neighborhood, uh, with those at your workplace. And so I'd say we're all called to, to make disciples and, and to support those, to partner with those it uh, sharing the gospel. We're all, we're all to do that, uh, to, to come alongside those uh, and be sharers in, in the gospel work. And so uh, that's just what I would say is my heart is we're all called to do that, and it's different levels based on the stewardship God's given you. And so as we've been trained at seminary and we are willing to go and God's opened the doors for us to, to go overseas, we feel like we need to do that. You know, If God shuts all those doors and prevents us from going overseas, then, you know, he, he's called us to make disciples in America, right? So uh, I'd say that's where my heart's at on that. Yeah. Do you, Ashley, have anything there? Well, when you asked the question, I thought of uh, William Carey, who said, I will go down into the pit if you will hold the rope. And I think um, kind of the idea for foreign missionaries that are going overseas is that some will actually go and move and you know do all the things that we're we're trying to do but other people are still an intricate part of that yeah. 
and that's the the holding the rope part um, and I just like that analogy because everybody's involved you know people's hands are still getting bloody holding that rope and so it's still it's something we're doing together and I know many of you sitting here right now have been praying for us all year and um, people give financially as well people send notes of encouragement emails you know we even got some uh, actual mail in France from some of you and so I think you can you know even if you are bedridden you can be part of missions because you're going to the throne of grace on behalf of missionaries so we're all a part of the Great Commission in that way as well. And I would say that for, for those of us who stay, you know, it's great when we get those emails once a month from whatever missionaries we follow, but we live in, in the rat race of Los Angeles. We, you know, we live in this fast-paced environment, and out of sight, out of mind is easy. I mean, they, they showed up, and it's almost like, wait, did you go anywhere? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, we're, especially this year, I suppose. But, you know, people go, people go out, and they come back, and a year goes so fast, two years go so fast. And I think that, uh, you know, an admonition that we have, we, that we ought to receive here in Grace Life is, you know, you really can be involved in missions. It doesn't, and it doesn't even need to be that you go to meetings, that you do this or that, but that you, you really do make it a discipline to go before the throne of grace with particular missionaries on your heart, having read those emails and heard and seen those prayer requests and praise reports and, and really laboring to hold up their arms, right? The, the image of Moses, you know, in, in Exodus 17 with, the, with you know, Jethro coming and holding up his arms. You're going to have men who, who need to, to, su to sustain you because doing this for any length of time is difficult and doing that for any length of time is difficult. And so just to, I mean, we have a supernatural God who hears the prayers of millions of people at any moment. When you, when you open your mouth, they're not even open your mouth. Just start thinking things in your heart to God. And you do it in the name of Christ and he hears you. Come on, let's, let's take advantage of, of that access to literally the throne room of heaven, the one who sits on the, on the throne of the world. And let's, just, and let's say like, Lord, give Dave and Ashley a happy day. Uh, make their girls, you know, encouraged today by whatever it is they're going through. Um, you know, when, when you get to Madagascar, make that food good, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, you know, just g give them a sense of the fruit of their labors, you know, right? Let them, let them have that consolation of the Spirit and, and comfort of Christ in abundance. Let that be theirs today. Uh, meet them in, in uh, whatever lesson learn. Continue to sharpen them and grow them. And you start praying like that for them. You're like, man, I, I like some of that blessing. Uh, do that with me, Lord, and do that with my family, my spouse, my kids, my friends. Like, we want some of that. And you can see all of a sudden how just focusing your mind, fixing your mind on gospel and kingdom purposes will have a trickle effect to, hey, we're all ministers. We're all uh, you know, called to speak the gospel. We're all called to make disciples. We're even all called to sharpen one another. I mean, we think of the Great Commission as go make unbelievers believers, but it's, it's also baptizing and teaching them all that Christ commanded us, right? And so that the Great Commission is those who stay here really devote themselves to, to sharpening one another. And that's really what, what my last week's message was about, was you know, really encouraging one another as long as it's called today so that none will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin so that some might have catch such a glorious vision of the glory of Jesus and the worth of Jesus that they'd be willing to go overseas and uproot their family and be away from everything that's normal and lay down our lives, lay down their lives to say, Jesus is worthy. And then we can take that and say, well, 
I want to lay down my life. I don't necessarily need to go to Africa to do it, but I want to lay, lay down my life right where I am to exist for other people, to exist for the glory of Jesus because he's worthy of it here. And uh, I mean, that, that's why Grace Church is strong by virtue of its emphasis on missions because the, the focus outward depends upon and feeds a, a focus inward in the sense that we're, we're all pushing each other upward. Uh, to, to Christ. All right, before we wrap up, any, any fun language gaps with French? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, our first Sunday at church in France, uh, you know, I, I learned a few introductory phrases, you know, to introduce myself. Je m'appelle David. Voici ma belle femme, Ashley. You know, uh, this is my beautiful wife, Ashley. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I explained how many kids we have. And, and then, uh, you know, after I had done in, introduce myself to the church, you know, clapped to welcome, me, to welcome us. And, and then I said, gracias. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not how you say thank you in French. <laughs> so uh, pretty, pretty embarrassing, you know. A little bit of, uh, little bit of L.A. there with you. Uh, yeah, yeah, my... We spoke. We, we did some uh, language training in Spanish in junior high and high school and in <laughs> college. So, but it sounded like you did the French R. Yeah, gracias, well, it stuck with me now. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Instead yeah. of gracias, you had gracias with <laughs> yeah, the French. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's a linguist, so he yeah. knows. Yeah. Ashley's got one too. Well, I couldn't. I couldn't think of a lot of specific stories. Um, I, David said, can you think of any embarrassing moments, you know, from the year in France? And I said, every day was just embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of a continuous embarrassment all year. Um, very humbling, I should say, and humiliating. Um, so, but, um, yeah, just, I was telling David even this morning, like, I remember a number of times, but one time coming out of the grocery store and there was a security guard standing there, and he saw me and just started saying something to me in French. I had no idea what he was saying. <laughs> and I just smiled yeah. and said, we. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> and then I walked to my car and I'm like, I don't even know what he said. And I just said, we. Oui. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he said, are you stealing something from yeah, the store? Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but so many times I would just say, we. Oui, and I think, yeah. I don't even know what they said. But... Uh, <laughs> A lot of moments like that where you're kind of trying to just figure out what to say. And one time at the grocery store, I was um, originally going to get two of something, and I decided I'm just going to get one, and I set the other one aside. And the other one was going down um, the conveyor belt, and the cashier started asking me, you know, what about that? Are you forgetting that one? And I wanted to say, no, um, I, I don't want that one. And I thought that I said that. But my daughter informed me. At, she was with me. She said, Mom, you said I don't like that. And the cashier looked really confused because I was buying another one. <laughs> so she was like, okay. <laughs> so then I realized when Lydia explained to me what I actually said, I was like, oh, you're right. I used the wrong verb there. So, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, fun. a lot of fun times like that. Fun <laughs> stuff. And so then in the next, is it five days, you're headed back to Tucson? Well, we were able to uh, get almost another week here till the 29th. Okay, great. Um, by God's grace. And, and then we'll be in Tucson, Arizona for a little while with our family. And, and we're wait, right now we're waiting for the borders of Madagascar to open. We had flights to leave on October 19th, tomorrow, and uh, to fly to Madagascar. Those were canceled about two or three weeks ago. 
And uh, so now we're waiting right now because of COVID, the borders are locked down. And uh, but they've they've been opening up domestic flights recently, and they've opened up international flights to a tourist area. Uh, so you know, as the Lord is moving, uh, th- as they're opening up more uh, slowly, uh, so we may we may be able to go in November or December. We don't know. Uh, we're just waiting for the Lord's timing on that. So you can be praying for that. We can't even apply for our visa until they've they're saying they're going to allow international internationals over to Madagascar. So we want uh, to get there as soon as possible. Uh, we're all set up for a language school to do Malagasy language training when we get there, and we have temporary housing through the end of June. And so uh, we want, we're ready to rock and roll uh, with Malagasy training as, as the Lord provides. And so just be praying for his timing on that. Sure. And if you want to follow their ministry, receive their updates, you can always email outreach at gracechurch.org. Or do you have a better, is that the right spot? Yeah. Uh, if you go to our website, ministry and the number two, madagascar.com, ministry to madagascar.com, you can sign up right through there. We also have sign-up uh, clipboards on both sides of the front here, both tables in the front, and our prayer cards as well. So uh, we'd love for you guys just to, to follow us if you're just interested or you want. Uh, we, we need your prayers, and, and so we're so much uh, so blessed by your encouragement, and uh, we just want to say thank you. So. Yeah, uh, we're also on the Grace Church website, gracechurch.org slash Ellingson, E-L-L-I-N-G-S-O-N. So, yeah, thank All you. Right. Well, Let's, uh, why don't we close in prayer? We'll get over, get over to, the, to the worship center and also some, spend some time. You guys can talk with whomever is uh, interested in chatting with you. Thank you. Father, we do thank you uh, for David and Ashley and uh, their sweet family. And we, we thank you that you gave them to us during seminary and that you just put it on their heart to, to minister in the way that, that uh, they are now and even are beginning to do. We thank you that Christ is glorious. We thank you that you've, you've opened our eyes to see his worth. We thank you that he is worthy to sustain loss and difficulty and hardship uh, by the sweet consolation of his fellowship. We, we thank you that you are God so glorious as to satisfy the hearts of your people. We pray that that would always be the case with the Ellingsons, that you would satisfy them with, the, with your loving kindness in the morning each morning and that they would always delight to do your will, whatever uh, has meant. We pray for the retention of French. We pray for the acquisition of Malagasy, which is just a, uh, a huge uh, undertaking. Give them even supernatural facility to understand the concepts and the vocabulary and the, and the, uh, the structures of the language. Um, we pray for their, their girls, that you would just sustain their joy and that, that you would make David and Ashley a good, good models, as they said, uh, of just being excited about the work that you have for them, that they would just learn. Uh, we're glad, we're happy to do the work uh, of the Lord Jesus. And uh, we pray for Grace Life, that we would be better, that we would be sanctified more because of knowing the Ellingsons and because of following their ministry, that that we would grow more and more mature in Christ, that we would be more closely presented perfect, as you say in Colossians 1, um, because uh, of the ministry to, uh, of, uh, that they have to us and, uh, and help those who are in the, uh, the group today who are feeling like maybe I should be going somewhere, begin preparing them and, and weaning their hearts off of the things of this world. And for those who are uh, eager to send and help and hold the rope. We pray that you place that on their hearts more indelibly and consistently even than it's been before. 
Lord, we're just, we're just so thankful um, that, that you really are worthy of all of our praise and all of our lives. We pray that we would live that way. We pray that we would walk uh, in a manner consistent with what we know. And we pray that you would be honored by all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from our guest speaker. For more information about the ministry of the Grace Life Pulpit, visit at www.thegracelifepulpit.com. Please note, law prohibits the unauthorized copying or distributing of this audio file. Requests for permission to copy or distribute are made in writing to the Grace Life Pulpit. Copyright by the Grace Life Pulpit. All rights reserved.